Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. There is a verse I've read over the years that may seem confusing or even triggering for Christians and non-Christians alike. The verse I'm referring to appears in various ways in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I'll use Luke's version since it contains the issue we'll discuss. So in Luke 14 verses 25 to 28, it says this, Now great multitudes went with him, him meaning Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, sisters and brothers, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. The concept expressed in these verses has been troubling for some people because it would seem at first glance that Jesus was teaching hate as a condition for discipleship. But was that really the case? I want to share two perspectives that will add much to the context of Jesus' conversation with his disciples in Luke 14, which I just read. The first is Matthew 10, verse 37. And it says this, He who loves mother and father more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know, I think about that, and for the woke culture of our day, the tone of Jesus' statement I just read might seem a bit aggressive. And they might say he was, he has a godlike complex or he's a narcissist. However, though, in the first century, the speaking tone may not have been taken as aggressively as we perceived. However, a softer approach to the statement is not worthy of me, quote unquote, would be something like, is not ready for discipleship. That may go over a little bit better with with a woke culture. The Bible scholar, Adam Clark said, when Jesus said, he who loves father and mother more than me, quote unquote, in Matthew 10, verse 37, It expresses the true meaning of the word hate. Of course, that is a softer approach to the word hate in Luke that we just read. He who loves father more than me. You know, I agree with this scholar. For example, this reminds me of the Jacob story in Genesis 29, where in first In verse 30 of that chapter, it said that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. However, verse 31 says, and I quote, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, end quote. So we could rewrite verse 31 to sound more softer by saying, When the Lord saw that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, he opened her womb, end quote. So when when we think carefully about the essence of the passage in Luke 14 and also in Matthew 10, it it would seem that to love someone more than another can also be viewed as hating 
the other. However, to clear up the confusion on this matter, it should be understood that Jesus wasn't teaching his disciples to be hateful in a hostile or vengeful sense. I want to look at a second perspective that will give a more profound appreciation to the context of Jesus' statement with his disciples. Something, a more indirect perspective. In Matthew 16, verses 28, verses 24, I'm sorry, and also in Mark 8, verses 34, both verses are practically the same word for word, except for the opening clauses. Matthew opens with, Then Jesus said to his disciples, end quote. Then Jesus said to his disciples. Mark opened with, When he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them. Mark's version serves as a perfect combination of the two. And I want to listen to what it would sound like in its, in its entirety. When Jesus had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said, if anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm gonna read that one more time. When Jesus has called the people, had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, in Mark's account, we're told that Jesus spoke to a much wider audience. It consisted of more than just the disciples. And this is important because it shows that Jesus' message was not just for the disciples, but for all of Israel at the time. This should change the picture in our mind and give a better understanding of Jesus's motive. The verse I just read that contains, if anyone deny himself, let him take up his cross and follow me, is part of a much larger narrative. And I wish I could read the whole thing, but I'll just give you a brief summary here. So in summary, Jesus told his disciples about his suffering and death in Jerusalem, that he's about to go and he's going to die. And Peter rebuked him, pulled him aside and rebuked him and said, that's not going to happen. And, but unknowingly, Peter stood in the way of God's plan for the redemption of his people. For Peter, being of a Jewish mindset in that moment of emotional outbursts, became an adversary or a Satan to the Messiah, Jesus. He opposed God's plan. The narrative further went on to say that Jesus, in turn, rebuked Peter or corrected his thinking because he explained to Peter how his actions made him an adversary, a Satan. He said to Peter, you are an offense to me. 
And in the Greek, that, that, that phrase is scandalon, or that word offense. Offense means scandalon. It means to a, a stumbling block, a hindrance. So in other words, Jesus may have said it this way. Peter, you are a hindrance to me. And after his conversation with Peter, Jesus must have realized something significantly lacking in their understanding of his mission, of the Messiah's mission. And that Peter's outburst represented the sentiment of not just Peter, but the rest of the disciples. Because shortly after that, Jesus called the undivided attention of the disciples and the people standing around and said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So I believe realizing their lack of understanding of his mission, Jesus shared with them exactly what it, was, what it would take to follow him. You know, first of all, we must look at it from an Israelite point of view. This whole narrative. If they had any intentions of following their Messiah, they must first know what it have, what they, they, they must first know that they have to deny themselves. But what exactly does that mean for an Israelite to deny himself? The answer to that question comes from knowing the meaning of the Greek word for denying self. It is aparneomai, aparneomai. The sense of this is very insightful because at its root, it means to forget oneself or interests. To forget oneself or interests. When we consider that definition, it gives us a better understanding of the statement Jesus made in Luke chapter 14. Remember that statement? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What Jesus was teaching in even greater detail is what it means for a person to deny themselves in the first century. He showed perfectly the attitude of forgetting one's interests and focusing entirely on what matters to God, which at the time was the salvation of Israel through the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. You know, another scholar said, if they wanted to follow him, they had to understand what his kingdom was like and what his followers could expect. They had to love him above everything else and be prepared for self-sacrifice and even death at the time. Let's look at a practical example of what a person's actions would look like when denying themselves. Paul showed this perfectly in his letter to the Church of Rome. And listen carefully to what he said here. 
Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, Paul said, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ even, if that would save them. That is the sacrifice, that is the forgetting one's own self-interest. And I want to see the meaning, the arpaneomai, playing out in Paul's words here. Also in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 3, Paul said this, The longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved, to follow Christ, to deny themselves. He went on to say, I know their enthusiasm for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with him. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. So for Paul, he expressed his love for Christ, his denying of self, in praying for the salvation of his Jewish brothers and sisters. And, and to repeat this again, he said, my heart, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. The longing of my heart and my prayer for God is for my people, is for the people of Israel to be saved. Guys, that is what it meant for an Israelite in the first century to love Christ more than their father and mother, sisters and brothers. Many, many were turning away from the old covenant traditions and lifestyle of their families and friends and following after Jesus. You know, I started thinking back, just trying to be imaginative, thinking of how it would, would be. And I can imagine a mother or a father saying to their son or daughter who's decided to follow Jesus. They'll say, why, why, why you hate us so? You putz, you're tearing the family apart. Following after that guy, that fake Moses. <laughs> well, maybe not exactly like that, but you get the point. It would have taken a lot to stand up to such an emotional charged reaction. And for many Jews in the first century, turning to Christ was blasphemy, a violation of the Mosaic law. You know, Jesus told his disciples that their acceptance of him, if they follow after him, that it would cause a division in their family. And I want you to take a moment you know, when you, you get some time to read Matthew 10, specifically verse 21 to 37, but you can read the entire chapter because Jesus was very transparent on what it would cost a Jew to follow him in the first century. The believers would have had to stand their ground facing the repercussions or persecutions from family, neighbors, and friends resulting from their decision 
to be a Christian. There's a verse in Matthew 10, there's a series of verses in Matthew 10 that Jesus in his transparency, he said, a brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Why? And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. So in conclusion, I want to say this. Jesus' condition for discipleship was not re revengeful hate, but loyalty and total commitment. As a result of that, his followers were treated as hostiles and even, even in their own homes, they were treated very, very badly. I'm hitting the pause button here because I want to give you guys a space to carefully consider what I have presented and discover the truth of the text. So please stay tuned next time as I present another point of view. Have a blessed day, everyone.